What's good, people? You are now listening to Black Current Podcast with Patsy Aisha. Since the Black Lives Matter movement blew up globally around the world from the tragic murder of George Floyd, I really wanted to hear from my people, black and brown people, their stories, their talent and their joy, but also the struggles and the hardships they've had growing up black and brown in the UK. I want to raise awareness, inspire, start conversations, pop in bubbles. This is how we continue to get better and be better together. In this series of episodes, you will hear from some of my closest friends and how it's been for them growing up. Welcome to Black Current Chats with Patsy. Hey guys, it's Patsy. There has been racism in the UK and one thing that the Black Lives Matter movement has definitely shown bright in my face is that people think the UK isn't racist. For me, was mind blown. I am going to bring on a really great, fab young woman. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Amelia Benjamin, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing your story with me. No worries, no worries. I was born and bred in Brum. Both sides of my family are Jamaican. So my mom, she was born in England. Her mother was part of the Windrush generation. My dad, my older brother and my older sister are like just fully Jamaican. So my dad moved over a few months before I was born to the country my mom met him on a holiday to Jamaica. What a great little story that. And then we have my older brother who moved from Jamaica when I was six. And my older sister, she still lives over there. So just growing up, I feel like, you know, I'm definitely British, but I can't deny that I still have roots in Jamaica. That's been like unescapable. So it's been a really interesting childhood, I'd say. <laughs> See, I didn't know all that, actually. Did you not? Oh, no. I, I don't, no, I've probably never spoken about it at lunch. That's probably why. That's my life, Patsy. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> so Amelia just then popped up about lunch and we met at work and there's a group of, I don't want to just say black girls because it's we're not just black. You know, everybody, it's just yeah. like anyone. It's not just people of colour, it's white people or whatever. But we all kind of got together because... Kind of, I don't know, just found each other walking around <laughs> at lunch. I felt particularly lonely. I needed friends when I moved to Manchester. No, it's a really good group of girls that we hang out with and we discuss like everything and anything. So yeah, that's how I met Pat. Pretty cool ever since. Yeah, honestly, like my lunchtime has been so much better since hanging out with these girls. Mm. And we really do just talk about everything and everything like you say. Yeah. So let's bring that to this podcast. So the first question I want to ask from your little intro then oh. is, have you ever been to Jamaica? Yes, but not that often. So it's usually my family would come over to Jamaica and visit us. And then I do athletics. I competed over there as well when I was 14, 13, I believe. And that's the last time I've been over there. We say we're going to visit every single year and we never do. But I'm hoping one day we'll go back. Because it's not that cheap to just get no. a plane to Jamaica, is it? It really isn't. Like, prices are ridiculous. Just accommodation. Like, we wouldn't really stay with family. We would in and out of the district to see like my grandparents and my sister and stuff but we would like book a hotel and obviously Jamaica is a very popular holiday destination so it's not you know a little quick cheap trip at all I feel like tourists have to go into hotels it's not like they can just go into the village yeah you kind of separated from like the reality and 
and then yeah. holiday destination definitely definitely you don't <laughs> people don't realize like the I would say like harsh realities of Jamaica you see the very pretty parts but mm. you know there's a lot going on in there a lot going on in that country and uh you don't really see it no you don't I mean I have never been do you want to go my family on my dad's side is Jamaican mm. and I only got in touch with them when I was 18 oh. so I would love to go with people who are from there and understand yeah. and know it you know know the back streets like the back of the hand kind of thing oh, not saying they will come with me next family holiday pack your ha- pack your bag oh! with the Benjamins. <laughs> okay i am there you I am probably there. could you know i'm not even lying you could <laughs> <laughs> i actually would oh let me tell my mom later okay cool hey mom <laughs> why is your suitcase so heavy um... oh, nothing. Fine. <laughs> no one in it <laughs> oh that would honestly be great i feel like going somewhere like jamaica place where you know you're from you really do need to go with people that understand yeah that you, you're not just going for a holiday you're going there to find yourself i understand your, your family's history and from where you've come from as well going back to jamaica as an adult now because when you're a child you miss a lot of things i feel like mm. but i feel like i have fresh eyes now so i'll probably see the country in a different light so if we talk about how it was for you growing up and um, what was it like in Birmingham then like was there a, is it diverse is there like how many people of colour how many black people were there at your school or in your year? Birmingham as a city I think is quite diverse. Long story short my brother came from Jamaica he had problems in the secondary school. My mom moved me and my little brother to a different part of Birmingham called Sutton Coalfield and in particular Fort Oaks which is a very white area. Primary school think there was we had two year five classes and I think I was the only black person in that and then going to secondary school I can count how many black people were like within the whole like years on like my hands like there wasn't much diversity at all at that school and apparently it's getting progressively worse yeah not great my mom's a psychologist for the school now and apparently um the sixth form it's literally like segregation like the black people hang out here the white people hang out here there's no mixing so it's a bit mad I think during my school years it was a weird one it was a weird one because I had friends outside of school because of athletics who were more in the city Birmingham where like more black people are so I still had friends who were black but at school because I speak a certain way and articulate myself in a certain manner it was actually the white kids that used to call me a coconut and they're like (laughs) yeah and like you're not really black I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not really. I- I'm sorry. Am I? Do you see my skin? Do you? Um, yeah. yeah. But there was a girl who I was friends with called Frederica, and she was like fresh Jamaican, like literally off the bow and everything. So she would like like switch to patois like nothing. And people used to look at me like, why don't you do that? You know, like why don't you speak like that? Speaking to my grandma after that as well, like why don't I speak patois? Because it wasn't encouraged. My mom and my grandma, she always thought if I had an accent, it would stop me from getting jobs and stuff like that later on in life. Mm. So it wasn't encouraged to speak like, which is really sad now. Like I've told them off for it. Like that's really sad that I wasn't mm. encouraged to speak patois in the house. But my dad and my older brother, they just you know naturally speaking, that's just what goes on in the house. Have you picked it up at all? The thing is, understand it perfectly fine. But have you ever watched Cool Runnings? Yeah. Do you know how, like, the accent you can tell is really fake? Mm. That's how I feel when I try and just attempt to do it. <laughs> and it makes me cringe. I'm like, it didn't yeah. sound authentic. And for that reason, I'm like, mm, 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 nah, yeah. I won't. Going back to school, because I wasn't stereotypically black in their eyes, I wasn't black at all. So for people that don't know, coconut is when 
obviously we know what a coconut is, but it's thrown at people when someone is black, but they are acting or they are deemed to be acting white Mm -hmm. or speaking white. So they're white on the inside, but black is their skin. Yeah. And it's a really horrible... The horrible, like, derivative term. It's hurtful, it's hurtful, because I'd go to school, I'm getting this, and I'd go home and look at my family, and the conversations we have are obviously different to the ones I'd have with my white friends. I'm like, I, I don't understand why I'm clearly black. even so like doesn't matter if I straighten my hair or if I speak a certain way I'm undoubtedly black and I'm proud to be black learning to be proud of my skin color definitely was a long journey as well throughout school I'm I'm saying this quite bluntly but do you Mm. feel like you had identity like problems or I think so but apparently when I was younger during like Sunday school at church I was asked to draw a picture of myself and apparently I drew a white person I was really small but that's because I went to like a white school and stuff like yeah. that. My mom was like, it's fine, she'll grab that. And then throughout school, I remember always feeling like, yeah, I have friends, but I don't feel like I fit in and I can never fit in. Like, there's mm. always that kind of weird space where I can laugh, I can joke, but I never felt like that anyone properly understood me at that school. And there was a lot of just, I don't know, ra- racial banter. When you're like a singular, like, black dot in a very white space, it's very hard to find your voice in those situations. You know, because it's banter, you don't want to be seen as a snitch. Obviously now, but like, what the hell? Like, Amelia, like, speak up for yourself. But in school, I used to feel like I was the most ugliest thing walking. Like, I had someone literally say, you know, Amelia, if you were what, you'd actually be pretty. Like, little <gasps> stuff like that. Yeah, little stuff like that. And those comments, like, they tear away at you. Like, mm. over the years, they tear away at you. So just my self-confidence as well was just really, like, low, like, in terms of, like, my looks I think when it got to about when I got to about 16 years old and obviously I had friends in athletics I was kind of like you know what I, I don't agree with anything that goes on in my school almost I learned to be more accepting of myself it's actually so upsetting to hear even just a snippet of what you're going through because I'm yeah. pretty sure it's only a snippet of what yeah. you had gone through and it's just really sad to hear it especially even like because you're not the first person I've spoken to now who's drawn a white version of themselves when they're drawing as a kid and it's just I mean I know back in the day they didn't have the colours like the crayons Mm. that we could you know choose that was similar but even so Mm. you know like even so it's just why why wasn't that facility there for us or why weren't we able to draw ourselves properly Um, and then like hearing people say that to you I just it's been it's just I just have no words because how do these people like I'm you know you're talking high school they're still pretty young how do they know these words oh gosh Patsy when I tell you the first first time I realized I looked different I must have been like five years old and playing tig and tag and a boy didn't want me to touch me because I was dirty and (gasps) he used the n-word I was five years old I didn't know what that word meant I went home and this is where I had the conversation with my parents about just race because they don't use that language around me, but this child himself knew that. So, you know, we always say that racism isn't inherent, it is taught. And mm-hmm. I truly believe just in that case, it must have, because what other five-year-old knows what the N-word means. So did your parents tell the school? Did the other parents fight, like get spoken to? What was the situation with that? So the tig and tag thing, that was just like the area I lived in. So that boy didn't even okay. go to the school. Okay. Um, I didn't play with them afterwards or anything like that. My parents had to talk with his parents, like obviously outraged. That was when I realised, oh, I, I'm, I'm different. 
I'm different, yeah. And that is so young. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, whatever age you kind of want to be conscious of who you are, but it's not even in a nice way. Like, mm-hmm. did your parents have to have the, you know, race chat with you? Yeah, they had the race chat around then as well. I think my grandma's very big on the race chat anyway because of how she was treated when she moved to England as well. But yeah, I guess from a very young age, I've been aware of, you know, that people will perceive me differently because of my skin and the way I act as well. There are stereotypes. You know, love everyone around you and just be a genuinely nice person. I'm not even a motto, but that's what I live by now. Positive affirmations mm. as well. And just, just the truth. Oh, that's mad. So do you feel that because there wasn't diversity in your school you weren't able to have like strong friendships growing up other than like you know in school obviously you had athletics yeah Yeah, I definitely think my friends that I have at university are damn closer to them than I am with the ones I've had at school even though Mm. we're still friends like I've got how many years has it been now since I was 11 so what 12 years of friendship I've had with Mm. these guys but there's still certain things, I guess, that they don't understand. And yeah. even their little comments, like just ignorance at school, like even their words would have cut me back then as well. So definitely just kind of this lonely space. It was mm. weird because if you speak to people from my school, they'd say like, I got on with everyone, but I still felt very lonely and isolated. I honestly can relate. I was, mm. I think I was the only mixed race girl in my year. And then there was maybe two mixed race boys but on the other side of the year because they split mm. us in two and then there was one black guy in the whole year and then I think there was like twin sisters who were black and we just never spoke because they were on the other side of the year so yeah. like even the, the people that I was around because of the classes I was never around anybody who looked like me and like I do have friends that I still talk to from school but mm. I feel sometimes they just don't get it or yeah. you didn't pick up on the things when I really needed them to, even though we we're all young. It's like mm-hmm. you just needed the, the support or something. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Oh, it is hard, isn't it? Yeah, no. I felt what you just said in my chest. I was like, oh, I'm trying to relate to that as well. Yeah. Do you feel like the Black Lives Movement has made you aware of things, like it's triggered things from your childhood? Definitely. I, I keep bringing it up in work. So I work in the education department at the BBC as well. And for me to get my point across about why it's important to educate children on race, I always have to bring up like examples of what I went through in school. So even that memory of, you know, the first time I recognised I was different, I've had to use that as an example in a letter saying, from the age of five, kids are aware, they're becoming aware that they can be treated differently because of their skin tone. Because there's so much around black culture at the moment and people sharing their experiences and these school children also um, sharing their experiences. I'm recalling little tiny things I thought I forgot. Like They've obviously been like buried Mm. deep down and they're coming to the surface now. I think when it first happened you know George Floyd's death and there was a lot more conversations around work I was definitely just constantly tired because I was reliving these moments I was feeling the pain in America the pain of like many years before us and trying to argue and (laughs) teach people about white prejudice and Mm. you know the black experience in Britain that it isn't just in America racism still exists in the UK it may not be as over compared to America. I, th- I personally think it is over, but some people argue it's not, but it's still very much there. So do you feel that because we don't have as much 
I'm saying as much because we still have it, police brutality, people think, well, it's not happening here or it's not on our news. You know, it's that's America's problem. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Me and Patsy are part of this book club as well. And we read The Hate That You Give. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember reading that book. And this is before George Floyd's death as well. Yeah. Thinking... If the UK had the same kind of gun laws as America, what kind of oh. country would we, would we be living in? I think, it honestly, it would be the same or yeah. worse. People are so in denial that mm-hmm. racism is a thing here. That if, I'm so glad we don't have gun laws here because I just, I just don't... I, I don't know what I'd do. Living in fear, that's what we'd be doing. I mean, I know in america they they have guns because they have to protect themselves not because mm. they want them necessarily it's yeah. just for their own protection yeah so imagine us happen to do that like that would be our reality really yeah and we've seen i think most recently yesterday there's an athlete who was you know pulled out of a car with a three-month-year-old baby mm-hmm. um profiled by the police and again i just think why are people not seeing this like and people love to make excuses as well and you know when you actually give them an actual good answer it's just straight to if you don't like this country then go back to where you came from <sighs> i was like, oh. born here yeah they literally were born here. they invited the commonwealth countries to help rebuild this country after. that is really the education people should be aware of yeah. so that there is a backstory people are understanding why there is diversity in this country Exactly. or there is different nationalities or there is you know yeah people need to understand that to understand why people have the right to, to be here yeah and even you know fighting for this country like we have black people fighting in the first and second world war but that isn't taught in schools no at all and i feel like that'll change a lot of people's like opinions on mm. like black people living in the uk like them learning that you know and people in India, that so many different races built this country. Yeah. And protected this country. Even before the whole Black Lives Matter movement is, everybody was like, are you from England? Or yeah. I'm, I'm doing a really random <laughs> accent now. <laughs> like a valley girl accent. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, wherever you went in the world, people were so at all that you were from Britain or that yeah. you're from Manchester or wherever. Oh, and I never had black people in the UK. It's like, yes, yes, there are black people in the UK. I had that in America, actually. It was IHOP and we were waiting for a table and this the African-American woman mm. came over in a wheelchair. <laughs> she went, so where are you from? Um, and I was like, England. She went, oh, so are you black or what's the situation? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, well, <laughs> uh, I don't really, uh, yeah, you do get the most random mm. questions from people from all over. If we move like the, the conversation to colorism, can you mm-hmm. explain what colorism is? Interracial colour discrimination. So it's basically internalised oppression. Different countries, it's not just black people. We have this kind of idea that being closer to white is like the right thing to be. Mm. Um, You will have better job opportunities and ultimately you are more attractive. So colorism is then like a discrimination usually within like the same race. So black people, the whole team light skin, team dark skins and just, yeah. It is just discrimination against a different skin tone to your a darker skin tone, usually. Have you ever been a victim of colorism? Yes. Kids at school saying I'm a coconut. 
And then yeah. I had the boys in athletics, obviously saying like, oh, they like light-skinned girls, this and the other. And then I had my older brother as well, saying that he preferred lighter-skinned women. So me being young, it goes back to me thinking I was like the most horrible thing walking. It sounds so dramatic, but I literally thought it was really like clap. That that whole colorism thing growing up, you think, you know, my features, my hair as well, because I haven't got like loose, curly hair. Mm. I have coarse 4C. It's good hair. It's good hair. But, you know, even that, like, I like a girl with good hair. It's been spoken about in songs. You just and the thing is, your definition of good hair isn't what the media is telling us. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. the long, silky, flat, yeah. <laughs> not frizzy. Like, and my hair is not in this either. Mm. It's just like, oh, that's not my hair. So they yeah. can't be talking about me. Exactly, exactly that. How about you with colorism? Have you experienced it as well in your school, or just growing up? Do you know, like at school, there's one that stands out to me the most, and it was it wasn't even to do with colorism. It was just. We're in like a group of six and there's a guy from South Africa and he's, mm. someone was like, you know, Nick hates black people. Oh. And I was like, oh, this oh. is really awkward. And he was like, it's true, I do. So oh my God. I believe if that was you. And I was thinking, what the hell? What the fuck? Like, what? Oh. And like, I, yeah, it was, but they have said like South Africans are quite racist to oh, yeah. he's white. Oh yeah, I think Africans is white. Yeah. Yeah. But now, like, I have had definitely had issues within the black community more mm. than the white community when it comes to, like, colorism. Mm. I'd say with white guys, I'm put on a pedestal. And then I guess even with black guys, I'm put on a pedestal mm. as well. And, like, I'm all, they always say to me, you're not like other mixed race girls. I love that one. Oh, okay. I know. Oh, what, oh, what does that mean? mean? What does that mean? Um, because I knit. Like, I was just, I was just texting Amelia before. Oh, sorry, I was just knitting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we'll do knitting sessions on oh, our book club. Oh, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, we're we're happy to be nerdy. You know, we'll put that label on ourselves. I literally tell people I'm a livable loser, right? Well, like when boys like describe us, like, I'm literally like, I'm a livable loser. Okay, I ain't cool. I don't party that much. I'm a grandma, like most days yep. I'll be with my little hair bonnet and, you know, just <laughs> chilling. So if you want that, I'm good with that. If you're looking for like Insta baddie, that ain't me. Do you know what though? The thing is, I feel like with you, you downplay yourself so much. You think? Obviously you guys can't see Amelia, but basically Amelia is stunning. <laughs> you are. I always tell you, I literally, you must <laughs> think, what is this girl doing? But I always tell Amelia, oh, you're so pretty. You're so stunning. It comes from like within, like you are such a beautiful like soul as well as your outer shell. Oh, and you. I think that definitely shows. So definitely have more oomph about yourself like love yourself as much as you feel like you love yourself love yourself like 10 times more do you know what i, I think, think that's how though. everybody else like you know thinks of yeah. you as well i my mom has always said that well based on the first guys with that university that she thinks i have like quite low self-confidence and i do think it's like it stems from just growing up because yeah i'm, I'm still it's still a journey of me like loving myself mm. but i definitely think that's had like a lasting effect on just like, you know, some days I do think, you know what, well, I mean, you're, you're, you're okay. Like, you know, you're decent. <laughs> and some days I'm like, I don't think I could... Not that I could never get a boyfriend. I don't think that's a thing you should, like, be aiming for in life. But, you know, it's... If I see a really attractive guy, I also have to think, oh, he wouldn't be interested in me. 
it's kind of out of my league kind yeah of out of my league things so i'm not even gonna bother try but and again i think that's just from growing up and you know no one at school like fancied me and stuff mm. like that so i think that's just left a bit of a stain sometimes i can relate because like my first boyfriend i was so attracted to him and i always used to think like why does he fancy me like why mm. like i'm so out of his league like i'm so like Ew. Oh, no, Patsy. <laughs> no. This is a pity party. <laughs> We're both like, oh my God. <laughs> but I used to think the same. Like, I think, like, you and I, like, we are quite similar with our mindset and our values and, like, who we are and how we've been brought up. Everything you're saying, I definitely relate to. Oh, we've got to love ourselves more, Patsy. I know. As women, we're told, like, we're too summit, summit. So then we downplay ourselves again. Yeah. But then... It's not confusing. Life is just confusing. So do you feel like, as a black woman, you're treated differently to, like, black men? That is a really good question. Okay, let's break it down. So the first one can be, like, jobs. Like, do you feel like when you're at work, there's more black males or is there more black females? To be fair, I'm just thinking in terms of the jobs I've been in, they are definitely more... Well, I worked as an unqualified teacher before I joined the BBC. And as most people know, teaching is usually like more female-dominated. Mm. So I didn't see any black men in that school at all, the more I think about it, in like high positions. But if I'm thinking about athletics and that culture, then yes, I do believe so. I definitely believe so. But athletics is just a whole different <laughs> world competitive yeah, isn't yeah, competitive. it it's just a weird world and just like also i guess with athletes the way we dress for like competitions mm. um as girls like we'd wear the crop tops and the pants and i guess as you get older you recognize that you're doing that more to show like the work you put into your body and the whole streamlined thing but when i was younger it's definitely because i was like oh i want to be more attractive well boys would focus on their actual performance it didn't matter if they weren't particularly attractive if they won the race they won the race but with women in athletics it was definitely more not more about looks but looks always played a part like mm. you might be a really successful female athlete but you'll be more liked if you're also attractive if that makes sense yeah do you feel like you were sexualized but I definitely think within my training group even when I've been with like male coaches will be watching a I don't know race back from like the Olympics or something and instead of like saying oh those women did great it's always like oh she's clapped straight wow. away wow yeah it's it does sense athletics I, actually I shouldn't be bad about athletics maybe just the people that I met in athletics were like that but yeah, yeah. I mean, sport is a different ball game, like we were just mm. saying. I think people do criticise people from the way they look as well. I feel like with sport, if you're not first, then you're just not anything. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Anything. Like, you're either at the top or you're not. Or you're winning bottom, or yeah. you're not. You're a loser. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, you're relevant or you're irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> and the margin's so small. It's, it's a hard world, isn't it? Because... You you've yeah. done so many hours and so many years into like athletics and then yeah. being told, you know, oh you're this, you're that. It's just like really Yeah. How about basketball with you? I feel like people thought I was would be automatically be able to dunk, which I can't. I can't jump. People think I should be fast. I mean, yeah. I am actually quite fast. I think because I felt like I've not been good enough in like a lot aspects of my life, like mm. even things that I love, I still pull myself back. Yeah. What you just said triggered just another memory then of the whole people automatically thought you were fast. I think within school, because of my athletic career and I was still studying and stuff, 
I had the comment of you're only fast because you're black and <sighs> you're only fast because of slavery. And it's like, oh, what? well, yeah, my school was mad, Patrick. My school was mad. And <laughs> I laugh now thinking about it because I feel like those people who said those comments would be mortified. But mm. yeah. It's just the comments from such an early age that's what battles me because I just um. think, wow. Yeah. I think people are more conscious of what they say now, but I definitely think so. Moving forward, what do you think we can do to keep the conversation going to better black lives? Education is the main thing for me. I might just say that because I work in the education department, but I do feel like the younger that you have these conversations, the better like those children will grow up to be. Like mm. the worst conversation you can have about race is not to have a conversation about race. And the earlier the better. So I feel like Black Lives Matter, it isn't being shown on the news as much at the moment. So people think, oh, it's died down. It hasn't Mm. died down. It's still very much there. And it's still challenging those, like, you know, racist comments, those ignorant little passes people make at work. Um, It's still having uncomfortable conversations. That's the thing. It's it's for us to get out of comfort zone as well. Mm. And for white people also to educate themselves too mm. like it shouldn't be all put on us in terms of colorism i have noticed a shift in social media anyway of like uplifting dark-skinned black women i hope it's not just a phase and we keep you know pushing on these messages of love and self-acceptance amen i have to say thank you for being so open honest it's a big thing to share your story and you know i'm really grateful and you too patsy you brought things as well one thing i've learned in life is when you have that communication with somebody that conversation you realize that you're you're very similar there's always something that brings you together and connects you and that's normally where the love starts again thank you for joining me Thank you for listening to Black Current Chat, hosted by me, Patsy Aisha. If you want to continue this conversation, then holler at me. I'll put my details in the description box. If you want to listen to any more content by Black Current Podcast, then check us out on Apple or Spotify. And a massive thanks to my guests. Thank you for sharing your stories, your journeys, and you to the table. Every conversation counts. Let's keep Black Lives Matter movement a movement and not a moment. Until next time, I've been Patsy Aisha.